0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Chris Long joins one of my favorite pundits on the planet. One of my favorite guests. I listen to him every single week. I learn so much about football from listening to him. Thankfully, I know him well enough. He comes on my show about once a year, and it is always one of the best interviews you can do. Um, he lit this one up. Uh, incredible insight on some of the best teams in football, some of the best players in football, things I didn't understand, um, some some great... It, I, I, like monologues i would say soliloquies on why, why and how context matters in football what do you change with football, football media some player safety stuff i think you're really going to want to hear about as far as what the rules should look like how we've gone too far on certain things not far enough with others uh fascinating stuff ladies and gentlemen chris long all right chris long is here Greenlight podcast my favorite football podcast inside the nfl star what's going on brother
1: what up, dude? I appreciate you saying that. And uh, not much, just that that time of year, man. It's like it's really getting fun. It doesn't feel like work right now. It feels like it's like I get to talk about the greatest sport on earth, that every game feels like a playoff game every week. And I just love this time of year.
0: A hundred percent. And also, like, I, a lot of people the other day were like, oh, this is a pretty rough slate. And it's like, dude, first of all, any slate you're going to be begging for on May 3rd. Like you yes. will be begging for Matt Eberflus looking a little helpless on the sidelines yeah, on May 18th, dude. <laughs> and then beyond that, like, like you said, like every, every game now feels like there are a bunch of like de facto playoff games happening every single week. Um, It's, it's all fascinating. I want to start with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I have a question about being a former pass rusher and watching him because it seems like, and you never went against him directly, but it seems like trying to to tackle Lamar Jackson can be like the most demoralizing experience. So I'm curious, as a former pass rusher, you watch that. And you see like, okay, you, you, you beat the lineman, you've done everything right. And then you still can't just literally grab him and put him to the ground. Is that like among the most demoralizing things you can have as a pass rusher?
1: Oh, it's like the number one, uh, you know, because the 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 line between I just made myself some money. I'm a hero. <laughs> And like possibly he gets up and and completes that ball uh, to likely last night. Like for Smoot, he's he's got him lined up. He's going to take his head off. He misses him. He gets back up. He drills him. What else can you do in that situation uh, other than get him down the first time? But I, I think thinking back to my career, I can remember there was a play when Deshaun Watson, old Deshaun Watson, was mm-hmm. in Houston, and we were we were playing him the year we were defending the Super Bowl and it's late in the season, we needed these wins because um, we started like four and six. And mm-hmm. there was a play where me and Michael Bennett uh, both missed sacks on the same play, like full miss sacks, like reset, <laughs> miss another sack, and we're lying on the ground next to each other. And I think I even got up and tried again and we missed him again and he, and he completes <laughs> the ball 40 yards down the field. And you can tell because you're laying on the ground, you don't have to see the play, you can tell by the crowd reaction. And it's just so demoralizing because it just all plays out in your head. Like, what are people saying about this? What's the meeting going to be like tomorrow? And it's money off the table. Like, that would have been three for me, that game. And I'll never forget it. And we still won the game, but it hurt. And I can remember how that feels.
0: Can you take me through like how guys get good at that? Because I remember talking to Jerome Baker, the Dolphins linebacker, and he was talking about Lamar. And he's like, the thing Lamar is really good at, is he understands angles, but he also understands how to play you if you come in too fast, which is not a concern for most quarterbacks. You you go into to, to most backfields and the quarterback isn't thinking like, all right, I know how to get out of this. But what is Lamar good at? And what is that skill of being able to escape?
1: Well, I think number one, there's different kinds of guys that escape. Obviously, yeah. there's like guys like when I played, like Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger yeah. who you're like, hey, you're going to get there a lot because they're going to buy time, but you have to get him down. And I always prefer a guy like that. Like, you know where he's going to be, you know he's going to buy time. Lamar was buying time last night because Jacksonville just couldn't get a rush early in that game. And I think that right. was ultimately a difference in that game. And I do think sometimes with Andrews out, There's going to be some disjointed stuff in the passing game where he's not seeing it down the field. And I think what you see is his eyes are downfield, but his eyes are never off the rushers or the free runner. And I think that's just something you can't coach or teach. And obviously he has the God-given ability to make that tackle for a free runner really tough. And I'm not just talking about a free runner coming on a blitz, but I'm also talking about a guy that wins cleanly. I always say the toughest tackles are the easiest ones. And, you know, like it's – I won at the line of scrimmage. Well you have five yards to line up the quarterback to decide whether to speed up or not, to decide whether to stop your feet, to put your hands up. And that entire time, a good quarterback whose vision is downfield is also on you and Lamar has that. And he's also strong with the ball relative to his build. you know And I think what also has kept him yeah. in the league so long at this level is he doesn't take big hits. Um, you know how many times have you seen him get up slow? I know there's been some injuries but he hasn't just gotten his clock cleaned a bunch where he knows how to get down and he knows where to, to take those hits and where not to. And I think all that combined, to say that, I, 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 it's important when we rate quarterbacks. A lot of people look at numbers. A lot of people look at high-end throws. But unless in today's NFL you can make a free runner miss on some percentage of the times that you're going to see that, I I I'm not as interested in your in in your in your um in your top end. And th- that's why for Josh Allen, no matter how many boneheaded plays he was making with Ken, no matter how many times I see him do something where you're like, Josh, the way he like played Kansas City a couple weeks ago, whether it was McDuffie or Bolton, the way he can make a free runner miss in today's NFL, it can be um, it can be, you know, a death blow to your defense. You yep. save that blitz up. For a big situation, it's the perfect one. Spags has got dialed up and he makes you play a man down as a result. And I think in today's NFL, these tackles are getting harder and harder. You know, like uh, if you're unblocked on an edge, it's one of the hardest things in the NFL where they, they make it sound easy. You got to get to the upfield shoulder, you got to get there fast, and you can't be too far upfield. And if he bails out the back, you can't get beat there either. So that's a really tough angle because when that, that drop back starts, guys start at nine. They settle, they climb to six, that target's moving. And in today's NFL, if you can beat the free runner, to me, that that puts you above a lot of quarterbacks who just can't make throws off platform.
0: That's fascinating. Um, all right, I don't want to do MVP. Like every show is doing MVP every it's single episode. It's <laughs> it is the Heisman. I want to do this instead. Most valuable non-quarterback in the league. And the way I want to do it is like, for me, actions speak out in the words. So I, I guess I guess the way I would view it is, Let's say there's an expansion team coming in. Teams can only protect quarterbacks in the in, in, in the in the expansion draft. Who would be the first pick in that non-quarterback draft for a team trying to figure out value for a non-quarterback?
1: Well, I think we glossed over Trent Williams when yes. we had a couple injuries in San Francisco because everything they do is predicated on being able to do that hard action run. Uh, and, you know, the pass comes off of it. You know the rest of your run game comes off of it him in space i mean i think he's got to be in that conversation obviously cheetah's got to be in that conversation yeah. and i don't think yesterday proves that he's not I, you know like um they're a very talented group and they diced up the jets a couple weeks ago they did it again um i think the the top end speed that he brings not only post snap but pre-snap like in motion and pairing him with with Mike there uh, and, and Tua, who when they get the ball out in under 2.4 seconds, it's like a clinic. Now, as the down extends and that kind of talk, it's the conversation we just had, you know, what's the difference? Well, the thing that that allows them to be on time is the marriage between that coach, that number one wide receiver, and Tua. So I can't give it to any one guy because I think it would be unfair, but Trent deserves to be in the conversation. Obviously, Miles Garrett could be in that conversation because you see the treatment that this guy gets i've seen guys move in motion with him when he switches sides they've reset formations they give him like the Calvin Johnson treatment that we made a big deal about when he'd have a whole half of the defense <laughs> yeah. on one side of the field that's the closest equivalent i've seen on defense so you know i think you talk about that i think Lane Johnson's up there if we're going to talk yeah. about Trent Williams because the beginning of that buffalo game when when lane had to sit down Jalen was really struggling because I think one of the things you take a, take uh, for granted is that vision on your ball hand side. And, you know, you can just throw that away when your Jalen hurts and lanes healthy. But not being able to keep your eyes 100% downfield is a big deal. And it, it's a big predictor for how that quarterback's going to go through his, his, his uh, reads.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by some of the things like Tom Brady's on one the last couple of weeks. He did like there's a lot of mediocre play. And then this morning he had an Instagram comment where he's basically responded to the Steelers guy being off the season basically Like the rules have, have made this game a joke, all of this stuff. And I'm curious as someone who went after the quarterback over and over and over again and had to toe the line and saw the game change many times over. Like I, this was at uh, Whitworth was on the show last week when we talked about different eras of pass rusher, like 2007, 2008, completely different game. Yeah. You can just pin Ooh. your ears back and just, just kill a guy. Um, yeah. If you were put on the competition committee and someone says, all right, Chris, like, let's have some fair rules. Like uh, what, wh- where, what direction are you taking that?
1: Well, number one, we can't be suspending people for the play that happened the other day with Kazee. Now I know that some people might be on the other side of it and I get it. It's a violent hit. But when you talk things out to their logical conclusion, how else can he take the ball off that guy? And like, you know, I got a buddy that pods with me in my studio and, you know, he's like, uh, he's got to wrap up. And I'm like, well, physics dictate that he literally can't wrap him up. I mean, it's like trying to wrap up, uh, you know, a kitchen table. That guy's parallel to the ground. You know, you got to get under him and then wrap him up. He's going full speed. He's catching a football. So I think some of those things I would take out of it I get the, the low hit thing. I do. I think they could be a little bit more understanding at times because um, obviously Brady getting hurt in a, in a practice that year kind of shook the league up. And the irony of Brady having all this to say about the state of the game, like, well, he's complicit in part of it. Not that he asked for the rule changes, but like Tom and those guys were protected. It's good for business. And then it works out from, from there. But um, I think the low hit rule is fair. a lot of times we do get blocked into quarterbacks and i i think for the most part they try to try to take a look at that i would definitely get rid of the form tackle rule that is absurd that you're landing with your body weight on quarterbacks we're not talking guys have been breaking ribs playing football since you know jesus was a baby and you're (laughs) talking you're talking but you're talking about like you're talking about keeping a guy from breaking a rib or cracking a rib or bruising a rib. Like that's what happens when you land on a quarterback with your weight. There, there's no strike zone, and people have said this a hundred times. You can't hit him high, you can't hit him low. If you perfectly form tackle him, they have really gotten. And remember last year's infamous Carl Cheffer's call on Chris Jones. But there's a ton of them where you're just like, that's perfect. I don't know how else you want a guy to do that. And I understand the back of the head hitting hitting the ground's an issue. But uh, I think my wife actually had a brilliant idea about this. They should put airbags on quarterbacks helmets. So when they get hit hard enough, as they're falling to the ground, yeah. a, little, a little airbag comes out, then you yep. don't get all... Because <laughs> we've done yep. everything else for them.
0: Yep. I don't know Maybe what else like we could do. a little tiny like parachute as well. Yeah, just like like a little helicopter fall. thing. Yeah, on yeah. Your... <laughs> just to break... So they don't hit the turf too hard if like, they're sliding when they slide down, like 10 yards down and I... hit them.
1: You know, the irony is for me, Kevin... MetLife has taken more Achilles and ankles this year and knees than, than anywhere. And you know, like that's a clear cost, um, analysis for them. They could easily, I mean, there's golf courses everywhere. I know that because people are sick. They have to play golf in all climates. Damn the water usage, damn the, the, the environmental costs. Like they have to play golf and I get it, but like football it's, a, it, it's this giant business, and you can't even protect your investments. You're so cheap as a league that you can't mandate grass fields when all your players are asking for them. That would cut down on injuries, not just in, in the acute sense of like, hey, you hit the ground or you, your foot gets caught in the ground, but the attrition. If I didn't play in the Edward Jones dome for eight years, I might still be playing. It, it's just mm. it's that Detroit's turf is really bad. Like There's some turfs in the NFL that are notoriously short and hard or sticky, like that place, like you got to get rid of that stuff. So if we're talking about player safety, do that, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even, obviously I've thought a lot about MetLife and and just, first of all, the stadium itself is a disaster. Like they spent a $1.6 billion on a thing. that was like an air conditioning. It was like, literally, I remember going there the first time and there was a guy next to me. who was like, this reminds me of a bathroom at a nice train station like it's
1: it's it's, yeah at a nice one it's honestly like it's like a central casting like let's not make the stadium too recognizable in any direction (laughs) because it's got to be anybody's stadium it's like joe kane is running through the tunnel there like it's it's the program stadium there's no character and yeah it's a nice stadium but it's like it looks these new stadiums and i hate indoor football the death star is gorgeous Like, there's a couple of these that I can get behind. That one, nah.
0: No. Um, All right. So the Sean McDermott thing came out a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was interesting. I thought part of it, and there was, like, a whole section, like, the 9-11 stuff kind of obscured the rest of the section, which was, he tells a lot of stories that just kind of go nowhere, and, like, (laughs) some of his anecdotes just don't really connect. And some of it, I mean, like, there's been a whole history, decades, uh, in the last couple decades, where, like coaches bring up things they shouldn't like mike martz was talking about robert e lee's defense strategies at the Super did he Bowl really 20 years ago yeah like that's old school football coaches like they have dumb ideas and they get dumb there's ideas from so
1: places. many guys in green uniforms that you could have picked you picked robert e lee
0: <laughs> there's like a couple i mean like i've, I've read some books where maybe like maybe bill walsh was studying some some guys who who went up? Went against the good guys uh, no in some way. of our wars. I just, just it's out there. There's some history. Not there. the
1: West Coast offense, the Deep South <laughs> offense, huh, Bill? <laughs> That's
0: I, no, I'll say this: not that war, not that war. They, they, yeah, what I'm describing here. Oh, um, it's I'll, a different I'll, war. Oh no,
1: even no, even thank war. you. Even, yeah. even, oh. maybe even
0: worse, maybe even worse. Uh. Um, all right, so but I, I'll put it to you because you <laughs> played a lot of football. What's the worst speech you've ever heard? It could be from oh. a coach. It could be from a player. Like just where you're just like, whoa, this, 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 he's not, he's not connecting here.
1: Man, it happens more than you think. It really does. Like, you know, it could be a guy that just got there that all of a sudden is going to break the huddle down and like, you know, I'm sure somebody's thought at different stops in my career like I'm that guy because, you know, you're a veteran, so you're new on the team, but by the 3rd, 4th game, you might be kind of a leader. And there is that period where you're like, uh, should this guy be talking? Should they not? Those are the most awkward ones. Uh coaches, they are they're terrible with these. Like some of them, <laughs> I'm like I'm like, what are we doing? uh I do think it's I do think when it comes to history, Bill did a great job i mean uh yeah. bill would 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 have us in the meeting room and like talk to us about old battles like that the yeah. u s won for for a change <laughs> and uh and he was like a real like naval academy buff, obviously, and so we got a little bit of history there, and he would like liken it, but you don't wanna you don't wanna you don't wanna strain too hard to connect the dots between like a, a bloody battle and what you're going through. I, I think anytime coaches can call back to something, if the court hits right, Matt Patricia, who's now the guy in Philly, who I really like, Matt, uh, and we were very good defense. We weren't that talented, but we got 16 points a game in 2016. That's a big accomplishment. Down the stretch, getting ready for the playoffs at the end of camp when guys just want to go home at like 930, we're the last people in the building. Every night he would he would make us watch part of the 85 Bears documentary. For like 15, 20 minutes. And if you know me, I just want to go to bed. And like, <laughs> I got to be honest. At first I was skeptical, but watching like all those guys back in the day in their short grays yeah. and they were hitting these sleds and they were running around in tall grass. And you've got, uh, you know, Walter Payton in the background and there's Mongo and all these guys. They were just different. And I think anytime a coach can actually hit the, hit the note right when they do a callback like that, it's great. I can't single any one coach out, but there was yeah. a coach that I had in my career that would keep us in on Saturday nights longer than, than I wanted to be in. I'll put it that way. By Saturday night, guys just want rest. If you haven't given us everything you, you know by Saturday night and the meeting's longer than 30 minutes, we're probably going to lose anyways. And so keeping guys in Saturday night till 10 o'clock is a big no-no for me. And so anytime that happened, we had a guy in that meeting room that would leave the meeting and go get body work because the lights were off and he'd sit in the back and slip out. One of the veterans, he'd slip out for almost the whole meeting. Then he'd come back in and finish the meeting like he was sitting there the whole hour. And the worst part for D Lyman is it's all back end stuff. Yeah. So we get our time wasted a lot as D lineman.
0: Um, yeah. And what, I was like, man, the-
1: this guy, I want to go get a massage. Being Mr. <sighs> rule follower. All right. More with Chris Long after this.
0: Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code Omaha Full and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code BET amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF, Louisiana call one 770 stop licensed through Horseshoe Bossier City and Hannah's New Orleans, Maine call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania affiliated with Harris Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia visit 100gambler dot net new york call eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny seven three six nine. one of the most fascinating things i heard on a podcast the last couple of years you and bo allen were talking about tackling zeke elliott in cold weather and what a nightmare that is And i think we all look at this and, and i think we're all kind of guilty of it on podcasts we're like oh running backs don't matter blah, 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 not efficient play and it's like all right well you, you try to tackle him in 23-degree weather and his legs don't stop moving and it hurts to, to touch him. Like, that sucks, right? And so I'm using this as a jumping-off point because I think players know far more than – I, I, I refer to it as IP. Like, you know far more about football from that than I ever could or a coach who hasn't played ever could. Like, I, I believe the players have more knowledge. If you could wave a wand and have the media understand something about football, that you think that maybe we ignore or gloss over, what would you go to?
1: Context matters. It matters in every situation for every player. And people know that anyways, but they still power right through it. You know, I always take um with quarterbacks, it's the easiest one, right? Like, you know, depending on what offense you're in, you can look totally different. Look what Dave Canales is doing with Baker Mayfield this year and yesterday. And and, you know, it depends on who he's playing. So like when you want to. If you want to make a bold, black-and-white statement about the Buccaneers this morning, it's hard to do that because they played Joe Barry, you know, or, right. you know, last year. <laughs> uh, so you, you look at all these situations. Uh, Joe Brady can't coach anymore. He was great at, at LSU, and he can't coach anymore because he's in Carolina, and they suck, and Matt Rule sucks, and all this stuff, even though I don't hate Matt Rule, I'm just saying it didn't work out. Um, then all of a sudden, he's the reason – that they are where they are. And as a defensive lineman, I always got pissed off because they boil everything down to a sack. And uh, you, you can play the game of your life and have five, six pressures, and then you have the crowd that says, pressure is not a real stat. If it's not a real stat, then why are the biggest games of the, of the Sunday, every Sunday created by pressure? They're not sacks for three yards loss, they're pressures. Uh, and then when you, when you analyze people who get sacks, a defensive end, for instance, he could win nine rushes on the year, At ten yards, I mean, it could be because he has great middle push. They could be coverage sacks. Um, You know, there's all types of context that goes into things. And and uh, I'd use as an example, a perfect example, actually, the Texans. Okay, the Texans and C.J. Stroud have convinced me that he is one of the hymns. Right, he's Mm -hmm. one of those dudes. And I'm not coming off of that. But what I am saying is, when he played the Jets and they're down. Collins at one point and Tank and, and all these guys and Schultz like that's going to look different and the guy that beat the Bucs in a shootout 49-47 or whatever it was 39-37 it mm-hmm. felt like 100 to 99 <laughs> and then the the guy that made made he looked like Joe Burrow against Joe Burrow you know that same offense looks this way and I'm not I'm not sticking up for Bryce Young but what I am saying is That's literally what Bryce Young is working with over there. And so, like, I I just think, as an example, especially with quarterbacks, context matters. Same things for pass rushers, same things for any player. There are a few players, and it is parallel to the conversation that Cam Newton was having, which I think is a good conversation. There are guys that can win in any context. They can be the reason that you win, and there are guys that need things to be right for them to play at an elite level. And there is a spectrum of game managers that makes up 85% of the league. There are six guys, four to six guys, um, you know, the, the the minority of players at that position that don't need that context, right? They can give you a fighting chance. But as you can see with Patrick Mahomes, yep. even that's the case, you know. Um, and you talk about running backs. Not to go on a rant here, no. but running backs can matter and they do yep. matter. But it's not black yep. and white because it just depends on where you are as a team. And the one team that probably could have afforded to do the Christian McCaffrey thing did, and it worked out for them, but that same trade would have been a stinker in other places and because of where another football team might be. Isaiah Pacheco's not on the field yesterday. You're going to tell me they don't look way different without him? They discovered James Cook in, in, in Buffalo. That's not to say that Austin Eckler's right, mm-hmm. you know, because Austin Eckler, I'd let him walk, and I like the guy. And all offseason, we're hearing like, I am example number one of why running backs should be talked about differently in the whole deal. So the point is, people want to make everything black and white. Context matters. Um, And nothing is people like boiling things down to simple answers. It's never that simple.
0: It's never, it is unbelievable how complicated I think sometimes we overcomplicate football, but like on a play-by-play basis, you need literally hundreds of little things to go right for a good play. And I kind exactly. of think, as you said, sacks, touchdowns, we just look at it and we say, oh, okay, this this seems to be working out. It's like, all right, dude, like this. Turnover worthy sacking.
1: plays. Turnover yes. worthy plays. You keep track of those because they're real. Before Jared Goff, you know, went on this bad run, uh, I just had a feeling it was coming on. And, and I looked contextually he did not have a lot of turnover worthy plays so you can look at this run and say well this is really extra weird um but but they keep those stats for a reason i mean like yeah. they're contextual stats that help you understand the game if you don't want to understand the game that's up to to people but you need the tape and you need these analytics kind of stats and some of these like not quite stats you know not our dad's stats yeah. you know <laughs> these are new football stats but they tell you something
0: what team do you trust most in the league right now
1: san francisco 49ers um and then I, I think the Niners are on one level, and everybody else is on another level. But if we took them off the board, who are the other best teams? I would say, I would say, I would say the Bills belong in that yeah, conversation. I, agree. I mean, and if you look at, if you look at the, the Bills, if they get in, and they should, in my opinion, I said if they win this game, they're getting in because I think mm-hmm. they're, I think they're going to have a chance. If they go two and one, they probably get in, right? Mm-hmm. And if they go three and five
0: a- percent, something like that. Chance. Yeah.
1: Okay. And if they win out, which I think they probably yeah. do now, you still got to beat the Pats and stuff like that. But I like the matchup down in Miami. They have the best chance against the San Francisco. Now, you could say the Ravens could hang in, but they're catching six points this week. And I really do think the Ravens are going to look different, not just without Mark Andrews, because last night. It is a, a Lamar Jackson show. It's like a, this guy is the other MVP. It's just going to depend on what happens in this this game against San Francisco because, like I said, it's like the Heisman. But, but when it comes to the Ravens, he's the whole show. And I know the run game is big for them, and they had 200 on the ground yesterday, and it felt like it was 98 yards, but it just crept up on you. They were like, damn, you got 200. But in the passing game, I think things are a little different. And when they went to this pivot, speed is so important to them. And they lose Keaton Mitchell. Now, I really like Justice Hill. Mm -hmm. But that guy added another element. So, you know, I don't know if they can hang with San Francisco. I know there's one guy that can be a differentiator on a different level than anybody when he's good. Mahomes and Josh Allen and those guys. Like, Josh Allen's one of those guys. And I think they could hang in there.
0: I. Great. Like, I don't think like, like the, the the bottom half of the AFC bracket right now, it's a bunch of backup quarterbacks and the bills lurking. Like nobody wants to see the bills curious what the backup quarterback thinks. Obviously you were on the Nick Foles Eagles team. And I saw like, I saw Jay Gruden a couple of weeks ago tweet, like when your quarterback gets hurt, you go play golf. And so, you know, like I, I, I understand that, but I also think it's kind of defeatist, right? Like, and, and, and I think a lot of times teams just give up when they have backup quarterbacks. Um, I know a little bit having talked to a bunch of guys uh, who coached on that team and, and played on that team. I know a little bit of, of how the Eagles kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Nick Foles, but I'm curious if, like, from your perspective, how that all developed and, like, if your quarterback goes down, what, what the next step should be from an organizational standpoint?
1: Well, number one, it's got – like, these contingencies have to happen before this happens. It's right. like why they have Matt Patricia in the building. Right. You know, he's not just collecting dust. Like maybe they knew at some point, like they might they might have to sit Sean down for a little bit and maybe he's the guy of the future. I don't know. But like this is what good teams do. They have contingency plans. And I'm watching the Minnesota Vikings last week and for much of that game it looked like the best version of the post Kirk Vikings, including the Dobbs stuff. You know, because they were running the ball. Mullins was making some big throws. He he in the middle of the game, he he really screwed it up in the red zone. But I thought you're watching that game. The Vikings are a perfect example of in today's NFL, when you think everything's wrong, if you have a capable backup who's decisive and can make some plays off platform, you can hang in there. And O'Connell's done a great job. They've, they've been through three quarterbacks. You know, it's the same thing with Cleveland. You know, like schematics are, are so good now that some of this is paint by numbers. Now in Cleveland, Joe Flacco still Joe yeah. Flacco. And, you know, he's got a little of that artistry in him. But I think in today's NFL, and Browning is the perfect example of this, and I brought this up two weeks ago when they beat the Jags, I said, could, they, could you sell hope to a team like this based on our run in 17? And I think you can. Um, because had you told us we were going to win the whole thing and we were the one seed and we were fighting for that home field advantage, which was huge, I don't know that people would have believed that. And it's the same thing now with Jake Browning in Cincinnati. But if you got the players outside, you've got the scheme, Today's NFL generally is more paint by numbers, and I feel like if guys can just manage the game, which is not a dirty word, when they have to manage the game, we were talking about rebranding it, a uh, uh, game executive. I heard
0: that. I love yeah, that. So game executive is an amazing term.
1: It could be. I mean that that's the that's the pivot here, and so uh, I think I think Jake shows you all that stuff. But the thing that impresses me, especially beating the blitz, like he beat the blitz is like the shot he took on that chase shot. Uh, The off-platform stuff, even giving T. Higgins a a chance on 3rd and 18 in overtime, they don't get it, but the same thing happens on 3rd and 9, and eventually you're going to get those back-breaking plays. And I think uh, Browning's a perfect example of in today's NFL, you can win with those guys. And on our team, it was defense, it was the offensive line, and it was the RPO stuff. And a bunch of guys on offense that didn't care who got the ball, they just... The running backs, Corey Clement, Ajay, uh, Boston Scott, you, know, you had Alshon, you had Nelson, you had, you had Torrey Smith, you had Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. It's just a really evenly distributed group and an yeah. unselfish group. And if you have the offensive line and a play caller, there's ways to get you into quick decisions in today's NFL. And that's what they were able to do with Foles. And on top of that, Foles had experience. You know, he, yep. He'd been in, in those situations.
0: Yeah. No, completely agree. And I was, first of all, I was at the game Wentz once towards ACL and it was bleak. But then the other thing is Doug told me one time, and I think most all the time he's like, it was all his experience. as a high school coach helped him. Cause he just sat Nick down and was like, what are you good at? Well, just do that. And, like, and we'll just do those RPOs and a couple of those routes. And, and, and I, I just and that, thought that was a, that's like, what you got
1: to do though. You got to be unselfish.
0: Yeah. Yep. I think yep. you got
1: to be, if you're a coach, it can't be about you all the time. It's got to yep. be about who you have at your disposal. Look at the Raiders. How can they be this much better? That it's because you're not playing to that team's strength, and you're trying to do things that work for you, Josh McDaniels, and the delta between even the passing game, like this is what you yeah. were supposed to, like this is what you do. And Antonio Pierce is a linebacker, and you get this uh, Bo Hardigree guy, right? I think that's his name. He's out there dropping sixty points on a wonder, wonder boy defensive mind that they hired <laughs> three years ago. Like the point is. You just have to be able to adapt and fit your personnel. And I think one of the things that make, makes interim coaches great is not just the fresh look, but they've seen it. Yeah. Like They're in the building, and you and I, Kevin, when we're doing our content, and I produce my show, and I know you probably steer a lot of the stuff on your show, and you're producing all your content, and you're like, this is a good idea. We'll have a bit or a segment or something. And you're, we're not ego guys, but your ego's in it, whether you know it or not. You're like, this is my thing. Like, yeah. this is the way I want to do the things. And the producers are in the back like, what the f- is he doing? <laughs> or, or, you know, like whatever. And Antonio Pierce is in the building watching that. Or yeah. Basaccia is in the building watching and observing it. And his ego is not in it. So it's a very simple thing that, that head coaches are not good self-scouters. Yeah. Because your ego has to be involved to get to that point, And you have to believe in what you're doing. But an interim coach can sit there and watch and self-scout and then pop in. And he knows, hey, this is a guy we weren't getting the ball to. Why were we in twenty-one personnel? Yep. Why, why was the why was Jakob Johnson taking a bunch of snaps? Yep, it, the answers are right there. Just make you know, you, you got to have the vision and the self-awareness.
0: And it's like any workplace, you're thinking about what you would do differently all the time when you're the the boss and you get the job and you immediately can do this. Um, All right. Two quick things that we we do every episode or now we do every episode. The One thing we've done every episode is called badasses. It's the most badass person you've ever been around in football and why you can take it anywhere you want. You have the floor crystal.
1: Aaron Donald's such a cop out. Uh, That was
0: Whitworth last week.
1: Yeah, it's a cop-out. Whitworth already did it. Maybe he told you about when he took somebody's helmet off and it was like a football fight and he grabbed the guy by the helmet and that the face mask actually like came off the guy's helmet. He had the guy looking like Chuck Bednarik, you know, just like full face out there in the open. And and I'm like, this guy's hitting a guy with a face mask that he took off the guy. Like, uh, but he never is the type that like throws his weight around for no reason. And that's what I love about Aaron. He's just like, he's the the Best dude in the world, but if you cross him, and you know you'd have to really screw it up to cross him. Don't push him late. Don't do any of that stuff. You're gonna feel the wrath. The other guy, for me, is Dante Hightower. Um, I love high man. He, I always say this. He was the best leader I ever played with on defense, and you know I played with some great leaders, um, but Dante Hightower. The way he commanded a room full of absolute dogs and veterans and people older than him, I walked in that building. Remember, I screwed something up two weeks in. And you know how some guys are afraid to be like, hey, mother, get it right. Like, you know, because you're like, this is a guy that's been a league longer than me, like the whole thing. When he checked me on it, and it was like quick and, you know, to me, I work well this way. Quick, respectful, direct. I was like, man, this is a guy that's not afraid to, to, to police this, this defense. And the way he played for us in six in 16 was so huge but the standard that he set and met every day in the toughest position in football defensively because at that position in new england you got to know everything mm-hmm. and you know i'm not taking anything away from corners or defensive ends or he's the middle of the defense on the most complicated defense in the league and he's able to hold himself to a standard where he's not afraid to bitch people out and do it equitably and i just thought he was amazing he was amazing He was a great leader
0: that's amazing. Dante Hightower, welcome to it. Welcome to the Badasses Universe. We're gonna put his photo up back here. Put it um, up. last thing, if you get one rep back in your career, you get to redo it and get to have your your go back to where you were physically in that moment and you get to redo the rep. Where are you going?
1: Boy, there's so many. Um uh, should have stuck with Cadillac Williams on that angle route in two thousand and twelve. I mean, that game meant nothing, but we lost it because Spags put me on a running back down in the red zone. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, they're plays like they're missed sacks. You know, like I probably missed 30 sacks in my career. I was not a good finisher, and that's the difference between people talking about you in a certain light and another light. And so, I, you know, I wish I had made more sacks, but in the Super Bowl, I'm serious now. It was awesome. Beating the Pats was great in the whole thing, but I was so close, like these two rushes at the end of the game. One more hitch on Danny Amendola, and I get to do BG part two in the end zone on that last drive. My finger's like on the ball, and the other one was leave my feet in the end zone. Just leave your feet and take the ball off, Tom. I gathered my old-ass feet to try to launch into him, and the ball was right there for the taking. So there's two plays in the Super Bowl for sure that I'm like, I beat myself up over that more than I celebrate the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just the way it is in the NFL. You're always you're always beating yourself up, wondering what what you could have done differently.
0: Well, you won. You're good. You're good in my book. Context matters, you won the Super Bowl. So you're good. Thanks, man.
1: bro. Yeah, no. Right. Context, context. I wanted to let BG get all the shine.
0: Exactly right. So that's exactly the context right. there. <laughs> great teammate, great leader. He'll put you in <laughs> badasses whenever BG comes up. Uh, Chris Long, Green Light Pod inside the NFL. Thanks so much, man. We'll see you soon.
1: Kevin, good to see you, man. Appreciate you.